Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It's week five in the Big 12 Conference, and we are diving headfirst in the Big 12 Conference play. There are six games this weekend, and they are all conference matchups in the Big 12. I am Josh Neighbors. This is the Neighborhood Watch, your best place five-plus days a week of the most serious, incredible Big 12 content out there. Uh, you guys can find us on social media at NWPod365 and at, at Josh Neighbors underscore. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. That's what helps us out here at Crystal Ball College Football. We are part of the 365 Sports Network. So those subscriptions, those likes really do go a long way for helping us out. And also, if you guys cannot watch, uh, make sure you're also subscribed to us wherever you get your podcasts, too. You guys can find us, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those places. So this week in the Big 12, folks, like it's it's not as good as next week. And, you know, the kind of the better weeks become more organic uh, as we go along. But next week, you get K-State at Oklahoma State on a Friday night. You get, a, obviously, Red River, which is a huge matchup. Uh, UCF goes to Kansas, which I think is a fun game. Texas Tech Baylor is like a big-time anxiety bowl. Then TCU Iowa State, which I think is an interesting contest because Iowa State, obviously, you know, has shown some signs of life. And I think TCU's got a good chance to get this thing turned around. And that's a big challenge for them. But this week has a lot of interesting matchups. It's headlined by Kansas and Texas. But it's also got a Big 12 Friday night game, which feels like a place the Big 12 might occupy in the future. I think it's a TV window that they can kind of make their own thing. A lot of fun matchups in a variety of places. They can put the games a lot of different times. Hell, they can even do Big 12 doubleheaders on Friday nights, right? You could do a game at UCF starting at 6 Eastern time, and you could follow it up with a game that starts at 9.30 for BYU, you know, 9.30 uh, Eastern time, a BYU game, something like that, right? In Utah, Arizona, all of those teams could play at the late night window. So I think it's nice to see the Big 12 on Friday nights, a spot I think they're going to be occupying a decent amount in the future. So we'll go through this Big 12 schedule. We'll also look at the Big 12 menu, uh, it's called the schedule, but also the Saturday 7-2. So let's do it, folks. Let's take a look. Let's break things down. Make sure you're following me on Twitter every Saturday morning. I give the Big 12 bread truck picks 13-9 and nine so far this year. So we're off to a good start. Here is what the schedule looks like. Cincinnati. At BYU on a Friday night at 9.15 Central on ESPN. So this one, guys, you know, this is an interesting game because both of these schools are coming off losses. Now, Cincinnati, I think there's an argument to make that their loss to Oklahoma was not too bad. But also what I would say is this, that, man, their offense is like bad, like bad, bad. Like they can run the ball at times. But, man, their offense really stalls out. And, look, you can't really trust a guy like an Emory Jones. He's completing 62% of his passes, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, been sacked nine times so far this year. Can he run? Yes, he can. But it's not like he has the most effective runner in the world. He's been bounced around a lot of places. There's a reason why he's here now. CJ Con uh, Corey Connor, really good player, and he's been you know strong for them so far this year. But it feels like their offense – is pretty limited because of who they have playing that quarterback position. So you're kind of worried about what that offense can do. And then you go to the other side of things and you look at a BYU team 
that goes to Kansas. And the one thing about BYU is that like, I don't think they're that good, but they're very opportunistic. And we're about to see them now in a conference game at home. I was surprised this line is, is right there, but I'll tell you what, like they were not the better team against Arkansas. They were the more opportunistic team. And then Kansas, the game was back and forth, but KU kind of put it on them late in the game. And so, you know, kind of wondering like, all right, what is this BYU group this year? Clovis, good player. You know, is this offensive line as good as it normally is? The rushing attack, he got some questions about. And look, like Cincinnati did have some success up front against, you know, uh, against Oklahoma uh, at times, obviously, last week. Right. But, you know, that was a weird back and like it was a weird game where it felt like Oklahoma had some chances to uh, put it further away. And it felt like Cincinnati had some chances to make it closer. Um, but the the rushing defense for them last week was fantastic, allowing three yards of carry. They did a pretty decent job on the whole. And look, Dylan Gabriel had a nice day passing. Um, but, you know, it was kind of a slog, a slow burn, if you will. And so, you know, I think um, I think. This game, like you see some stuff that Cincinnati does well, the line of scrimmage that could help them control it. But you like the fact that BYU is at home in this inaugural conference game at, at night. And I think I like that more, right? If this is at Cincinnati, I might feel the other way. But BYU's at home. I don't feel great about either of these teams. And this line stinks because you think BYU instinctually, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I roll with BYU plus the one point here. Um, 2.30 is the big window. You see there's three games in. They're all three pretty interesting games. Kansas against Texas is the big matchup here of the day in the Big 12. Number 24 ranked Kansas at number three Texas. The Longhorns, as it sits right now, are 16 and a half point favorites. Now, you have to think, they should be favored in this game, and that number is about right. But I broke it down with Derek Johnson yesterday. Look, folks, KU's got a shot to be competitive and hang around in this game because they've got a really good quarterback. They've run the football effectively. They limit the number of possessions in games and they are, they are a high execution team, right? Kansas is extremely well coached. That is the one thing. And, and here's the thing, guys, I think Sark is having a really good year as a coach, but this is one of those matchups where you think that, Hey, look, the coach on the other side is the better coach, right? Lance Leipold is just, he has been fantastic with what he's done with this program and Andy Codal, Nikki on offense has done a very good job as well with how they scheme things up. And it's a creative, fun offense to watch. If you are not minding your P's and Q's or ready to overwhelm them up front, it's going to be a long day with the way these guys run the football, the different angles that they do it at. And also too, with as effective and as efficient of a passer as Jalen Daniels has been over 70%, like that clock's going to move. They keep getting first downs. So if they can keep the chains moving and keep the clock moving and hang around in this game, they're going to have a chance. Texas, there's no doubt about it, though. They've got the better group overall when it comes to talent. Quinn Ewers has played really well this year. Um, and the other reason why I, you know, I think Kansas has a shot in this game is because like, the receivers will burn you some, and this KU secondary has gotten burned, but they do make some big plays. Kenny Logan makes big plays. Jacoby Bryant uh, makes Kobe Bryant makes big plays, obviously. And the guys they've gotten transferred in, you know, the defensive lines looked a lot better too. I'm not sure how good it is, but you know, the big thing for Kansas is like, can you get off the field? And also, can you get red zone stops? Um, the KU red zone defense has been bad. The Texas red zone offense has been bad. So whoever wins that battle, and I think you kind of like the Kansas or the, the, the Texas offense, uh, will do well. But like, if this is red zone roulette, and that's what defines this game, you know, if KU gets the requisite stops or can force turnovers down there, 
We're talking about a whole different situation, a whole different can of worms, if that's the case. I do think Texas wins, although, you know, I want to say Kansas covers, but it's, it's weird to me. You almost feel like it's going to be one-way traffic, you know, or an upset, right? Like there's not really a 14 point, but because I mentioned the point about the possession numbers, I do think like it's a 14 point win for the end. I would just, if I was betting this game and I'll probably stay away from this one, to be honest, if I was betting this game, sorry, my thing's going on. Uh, if I was betting this game, I would, um, well, I'd try to tease the line number one, either way. I would definitely try to tease the line back and you know, more towards Kansas's favor, but I'm, I'd be aware of a backdoor cover. I'd be worried about that in this game. All right. Two 30 on FS two, the old FS two slot, baby. Uh, Houston at Texas tech, Baron Morton going to be the starter. Uh, hopefully he's okay. He took a big shot late in that game last week. Houston gets a win last week against a really bad Sam Houston state team. Uh, they played a night. I don't know. They might be owing four by the time you all are seeing this. I'm recording this on Thursday evening. Um, this game is really compelling because it's going to define. It feels like where these two seasons are going to go. Houston got ahead of the eight ball when they beat UTSA. They got behind the eight ball when they lost to rice and they kind of lost some momentum as they played TCU. They got, I mean, they try to get as much as you can back, I guess, when you play a team like a Sam Houston state, but they try to reclaim some of that momentum. I'm not sure if they have the offense has had a really tough go and their defense has been very inconsistent. And I want to see in this game, what, what kind of rushing attack uh, Texas tech can mount because I have mentioned this a whole lot about how I think I want to see better rushing from Texas tech in the sense of like, help yourself control the clock. They are 12th in the league in rushing right now, or uh, excuse me, in, in rushing a total of the, let's see, they are seventh in the league when it comes to rushing uh, offense. They only have three touchdowns from the rushing offense, which is second worst in the league. So they don't use that to you know cash in. And then, on the defensive side of things, Houston is the 11th ranked rushing defense so far. So is that an area where you can take advantage of this team? And also, Houston probably thinks the same thing, too, if they can use Donovan Smith and his legs, because this Texas Tech defense is 12th against the run. So I think it's whoever can take advantage of the running defense. And I think I want to see, guys, if Texas Tech gets lead in this game, can they put their foot down and keep that thing going? Like, that is the one thing about this team is, you know, they – they get the momentum and their games are much like NBA basketball games are up and down because they're pacing. But how do they make sure that like when the, the pace or the momentum does inevitably flip, how do they limit the damage and kind of reclaim that? Or how do they slow things down? That's why I've suggested the rush in the football. And I think Baron Morton's played a decent amount, but you know, I'm like, how good is Baron Morton? I think we're about to find out. I think he's a good player and he's a great backup quarterback to have, but it's about time for him to show what he's got. And this offense does put a lot on quarterbacks. They need to be careful about how much quarterbacks are toting the rock, though. The number of quarterback injuries that we've seen the last two years for these offense, this offense in particular, has been staggering. And I know some of it's being unlucky, but also some of it, too, is the positions. And I know Tyler Shuck is apt to run, but I think it's the positions that they have put themselves in as well. So, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of result we get. From there, but eight and a half, it's a pretty big number. But Texas Tech is the better team here, it feels like. Um, and I know things, once again, have gone sideways for them so far this season. But you're back at home, reclaim some momentum, and get yourself back going. Because this thing, I mean, you know, they're in danger here of, like, if you lose another game, you might not make a bowl at this point in time. 230 on FS1, Baylor against UCF. UCF's 
second game, pretty competitive last week. And the scoreline doesn't actually reflect, you know, like how close the game was against K-State. But UCF was competitive last week. Right. And so uh, we've seen they've got plenty of playmakers on this field. And look, man, I, I think of the skill positions. You know, you see this spread come in here at 12 and a half. Like it's a big number skill positions. though, it feels like UCF's got a pretty big advantage, especially at wide receiver. Right. This Baylor secondary has had a very, very rough go of it. And, um, you know, I feel like running back and wide receiver, you know, Milton's kind of coming along. And I, I feel like they've got a chance to make some things happen with their skill position players. Um you know, in this game. And also they're at home. 12 and a half is a big number, but Baylor, it just under Sawyer Robertson, it feels like this is a listless team and they don't have confidence and they don't feel like they can make things happen right now. And so I've got some serious, serious doubts about how good or how competitive Baylor is right now. They need to start playing more competitive in these games. Like there are just some moments where, man, I mean, the, the Utah game was competitive, but like as soon as Utah just had to have it, they did and went right down the field and scored. Um, and Sawyer Robertson throws that terrible interception in that game too. So this is a team right now in Baylor that look, is looking for any kind of momentum. And even after they got two great opportunities last week after muff punts, they were not able to take advantage of it at all uh, against Texas. So this feels like a game where, I mean, I'm staying away from 12 and a half because it feels like Baylor should be able to, you know, should be able to keep this thing close. But, they have just not been together. So, I mean, it's uh, it's hard to bet on a Baylor Bears team right now. All right, 6 o'clock, FS1. Iowa State at Oklahoma. We still have no idea how good the Sooners are. And I would be worried about a potential uh, look-ahead spot, a potential letdown spot, but Oklahoma's at home. Now, Iowa State's got some confidence, but they racked it up against what I think is a really bad, right now, Oklahoma State team. So where can you take advantage, uh, you know, if you're Iowa State, like, like, I mean, the thing is, Cincinnati, they were able to slow them down. So I think Iowa State can slow them down as well, too. But Iowa State's just, they're not doing a whole lot. I right? think they can't run the football. Um, and there really is not a, like, last week, Rockabeck was good. But the issue is, this Oklahoma pass defense really has not been tested. So if you're like, okay, we want to test the pass defense, you know, uh, can we do it? Um, they don't really have the horses to, to do so. Now, I will say this interesting matchup because it is, as of right now, the number one pass defense in the league, Iowa State, going up against the number one passing offense, which I do think is an interesting matchup. You always feel weird about laying 20 points in a conference game. I think Iowa State can slow them down, but I do not trust their offense enough. And Oklahoma has been feasting off bad defense. So you might think 20 is a big spread, but also, too, think about this. Uh, Iowa State's offense could put their defense in some bad spots, and they might not be able to overcome that. Right. So you have to think on on that side of things. But 20 is a large, large number um, to be laying at this point in time. Seven o'clock on ESPN two, West Virginia and TCU, TCU, 14 point favorites. I'll tell you all right here, I'm going to pick uh, to win the game, TCU, to cover West Virginia. West Virginia is a competent, competent unit right now, uh, and they are gaining confidence. It's just a next man up, you know, total, like, you know, grab the rope, pull the rope. Uh, I'm looking out for you. You're looking out for me. You know, nobody believes in a situation and they have taken that and run with it. They, their rallying cry is that 14 thing, you know, pick to finish last in the league. Uh, and so they, they've taken that and run with it. And if this was not TCU, I'd be much more worried for the team on the other side, but I think TCU starting to put some things together. Right. And we saw Drew Aller had some success in the passing game against this uh, West Virginia defense. 
So West Virginia is going to have to get after it. And they're going to have to create a bunch of turnovers, not a bunch, but a decent amount of turnovers and get themselves in a good position, right? That's what they have to do. I think, uh, you know, if they want to uh, have a serious shot um, at, at winning this game, they're going to need a bunch of turnovers. They're going to have to cash in. I don't think their offense is good enough to cash in, like, you know, making sure that you get seven, not three. And their defense, while it's incredibly strong, you know, I'm wondering how long they're going to be on the field in this game. Kind of worried about that side of things for them. So I think they do cover because they're a tough team. And they, they, I mean, the, they run the ball like demons. Uh, they, they understand how to, to run the rock. And I think Neil Brown does a really uh, deserves a lot of credit for the way that he has designed this offense, uh, you know, this season and the way that they kind of get after it. Like, just pretty creative on the whole. But, uh, and then they're sixth in the league in rushing uh, and they run for 4.2 yards a carry, eight touchdowns. And like, it's not always about how efficient they are in these games. Uh, for them, a lot of times it's like, all right, you know, are they, are they holding the ball? Are they able to milk the clock? And on the Kansas way, Kansas is a bit more explosive, but is West Virginia able to dictate pace in the game? And so far, so good. So far, so good for them. All right. So that's your viewing menu in week five. Now we jump to the Saturday seven, the seven games outside of the big 12 conference that are the most meaningful in my estimation this week, a really strong, fun, all over the place slate. There's some interesting games in some places that we don't usually think. So we'll begin FS1 on uh, Friday night. Number 10, Utah. Number 19, Oregon State. Oregon State comes off a loss against the Wazoo Cougars. Four and a half point favorites. I think this line basically tells us Cam Rising's not playing. Utah's been good so far, and I think their defense will be able to hold things down in this game in particular because the Oregon State offense has been kind of stopping and starting. But they do need the cavalry to come in. They do need to get some of these guys back. They need to get, you know, Keefe. They need Cam Rising. You know, I was listening to Splits and Duo today. They said uh, Richard Johnson from Sports Illustrated said he's cleared to play. And look, I feel bad for the kid because he might not trust the knee. Uh, you know, you might not want to put him back on a short week. So there's a variety of factors there. But, you know, you think about like what is the best way to address that. So this game is really interesting because. I feel like I feel like it's Oregon State's kind of moment here to to get this one back, to get that loss back from last week. But Utah is just so well coached. But so is Oregon State. So um, and Utah has has been grinding out wins all year. So I think you feel good about four and a half. Like it's four and a half is just you know in, in a game where we think it's going to be low scoring and close. You kind of gobble up anything over a field goal. Yeah, uh, but I you know I feel like Oregon State's got a good chance of winning this game. You know, always saying, hey, I think one team wins, one team covers, but it's a short spread. It's always a risky proposition. But still, I think Utah is able to cover in this game. 11 a.m. on Fox, USC in Colorado. So I'll tell you is, is this about this game. Uh, I think Colorado knew what was going to happen last week. I think they kind of knew this was their chance to get a big result uh, out of the Oregon and Washington, out of Oregon and USC, right? I think they knew they were going to go take their lashes last week. I think we saw Deion Sanders approach. I think we could see it pretty clearly that uh, primetime knew what was coming down the pike in the form of the Oregon Ducks. Now his team was talking, but he wasn't talking much last week. So 21 and a half, you know, USC has been a wagon so far this year. Uh, Can they run the ball like an Oregon can, right? Their passing offense, you know, it's been like kind of weird. It's been up and down kind of on the whole, like Caleb Williams has been amazing, but it seems like, you know, he's having to, freelance a whole lot more than you'd like him to against some of the opponents that they have played, but still he's an amazing player. Um, can Colorado sit back here and try to make things happen in the red zone? Like, is, is that the way to approach this thing? I think their offense will improve this week to next uh, for, you know, this week I'll take the 21 and a half here, guys. I, I think Colorado does cover. Um, I mean, you all know me like 
I am just not, not a believer in Lincoln Riley teams and their defenses. I'm not a believer in Alex Grinch. And this defense has not proven anything yet to me that says back us against what has looked like a really competent offense. And I think Oregon might be a bit tougher than we think that they are in the lines of scrimmage this season. And so I'm not sure USC, though, is that tough. So I like Colorado for that reason. 11 a.m. on ESPN, Florida. Also, that's a 9 o'clock kickoff, I believe, in Colorado. Uh, uh, Florida and Kentucky. Kentucky, one-point favorite here. This one, the SEC East guys, you know, it's kind of a race to be in second, but like Georgia's looked vulnerable. They have not covered a spread yet this so far this season. Tennessee doesn't look that good. Florida's been up and down. Kentucky hasn't played anybody. Missouri's had a nice start. So that SEC East, you know, I'm not sure anybody gives Georgia a fight. Doesn't feel like they will, but there's a lot of uh, shaking up in that, that division. I mean, we'll get to another guy in that Spencer Rattler here in a little bit, but um, this game, it's going to suck. I would not watch this game. Uh, and I've got no feel for the minus one, but still it's an important game in the SEC East. Big game in the West, 5 p.m. ESPN LSU at Ole Miss, 13-ranked LSU, number 20 Ole Miss. The LSU Tigers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll take I'll take LSU. Uh, I watched them play last week. Their defense was not fantastic, but I KJ Jefferson is a better quarterback than Jackson Dart, in my opinion, and Arkansas did a really good job of taking advantage of LSU's defense was not excellent. Uh, but they were good in the red zone, good enough in the red zone. I do not think this is a like killer offense that Ole Miss has that's going to be able to, to do that. Secondary, let's see how good it is. But uh, right now, Thomas and Neighbors are on a different level in terms of catching the ball. And Thomas, uh, um, uh, Jalen Daniels, or Jaden Daniels, excuse me, is locked in with them. So I'll take Ole, or LSU. I'll let it two and a half. 6 p.m. on ABC, number 11, Notre Dame, number 17, Duke. Notre Dame is five and a half point favorites. This is a well-coached Duke collective here, red, led by Riley Leonard, their athletic quarterback. Notre Dame on the wrong end, on the business end last week. This excellent coaching matchup, but a business end of the 10 men on the field multiple times. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I think they bounce back. I think it's a, still a very, very good team. Um, the Duke secondary against the Notre Dame wide receivers is the big matchup. Duke's got some good, good corner, uh, good some good corners back there. A lot of transfers they brought in, so. They've got those guys who have been pretty strong. Uh, you know, I, I think they've got some ability in that back end, and I want to see those guys handle the Notre Dame wide receivers. But Notre Dame's been a, a killer against ACC teams as of late. Six thirty on ESP or uh, SEC Network, rather South Carolina against number twenty-one Tennessee. Spencer Rattler has been phenomenal so far this season. He has been fantastic. The team, eh, not so much. They can't really block at all which is a uh, massive problem for them. But Spencer has been fantastic so far. And I think his leadership, you know, from where we saw him, I'm rooting for the kid now because uh, where we saw him before from a leadership standpoint and like, you know, a personality and playing standpoint, he's really overcome a lot and become a really good player. And I think he's got a good chance to be a first round pick this year. Um, I'll take them plus 12 because I don't trust Joe Milton. Uh, Tennessee's team is a lot better, but I don't trust Joe Milton. 9 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, number seven, Washington at number tw uh, at Arizona Arizona's getting 20 points big issue here for the cats the wildcats issue for them is Jaden Delora might not play so uh I would take Washington and their passing offense has been fantastic they might be out a guy uh one of the wide receivers forget which one it is but um I still think Michael Penix and company are just you know their offense has been so efficient and ruthless uh, and, and so I would go in that direction all right we'll be back on um let's see what day sunday or, or saturday night hopefully and then sunday we will have kind of the loser so 
late Saturday night, early Sunday morning podcast about who won this week, who impressed us. Then we'll do the loser's circle uh, following that on Sunday and slash Monday. So make sure you all subscribe, subscribe to the channel, like the video, all those things. We'll, uh, we'll see you all this weekend. Enjoy the game.